You're in the water loop. This is a Pass the Mic episode, where I turn the Waterloop podcast over to a guest host. This is Waterloop episode number 131, The Resilience of Navajo Nation. The water challenges are serious for Navajo Nation, including one in three families lacking running water, impacts of climate change straining the land, and legacy pollution tainting some sources. But a spirit of resilience and leadership from within are steadily leading Navajo Nation toward a more sustainable water future. A focus on solutions instead of obstacles is also key, as discussed in this Pass the Mic episode, which is guest hosted by Emma Robbins, Executive Director of the Navajo Water Project at Dig Deep. Emma speaks with Crystal Tuli Cordova, Principal Hydrologist at the Navajo Nation Department of Water Resources about her experience growing up in a home without running water, her journey as a woman in science and government, her belief in collaboration and partnerships, and an unwavering commitment to helping her community. Before starting the conversation, a few brief reminders. Waterloop is a nonprofit media outlet made possible in part by a grant from Springpoint Partners. If you as a listener value Waterloop's content, consider making a contribution through Patreon. Visit patreon.com slash thewaterloop. And now, I've got to pass the mic. Hello, and welcome to Waterloop, everybody. I am Emma Robbins, and I am the guest host for this episode. I am the executive director of the Navajo Water Project with Dig Deep Water. We work with communities on the Navajo Nation to help them get safe running water in their homes. I'm also the founder of the Chapter House, an indigenous art space in Los Angeles, and I'm an artist making work about issues we face on the Navajo Nation, but also solutions. Today I'm interviewing Dr. Crystal Tuli Cordova. Crystal is a principal hydrologist with the Navajo Nation Department of Water Resources. She plays a huge part in managing and protecting those water resources on the Navajo Nation and has been working day and night since the beginning of the pandemic to make sure that our people are getting water at a time when they need it more than ever. I personally have had the honor to work with Crystal for the past couple of years, and I feel like it'd be an understatement if I said that she was a hero of mine because she's so much more. Crystal, I am so excited that Waterloop has brought us together outside of our normal meetings and emails. And I just want to say welcome. Thank you, Emma. I'm so excited to be here today and have this conversation. Is there anything else that you want to add before we jump into our questions? Yeah, definitely. Uh, So in our introduction uh, as the NEC people, we start with that to uh, create kinship. So she'e crystal tuli cordova yanishye twitich itni nishleh katnezahni bashishchin hashkan hezohe edashache tuo heglini edashanale bestok lejindejgij de nasha. 
I and I just introduced myself. I said I am of the Bitter Water Clan, born for the Tangle People Clan. My maternal grandfather's clan is the Yucca Fruit Strung on a Line, and my paternal grandfather's clan is the Water That Flows Together. And I represent a community in the central part of the Navajo Nation called Blue Gap, Arizona. And my mom's side is from uh, on the New Mexico side, from near Tuolagai or Whitewater, uh, New Mexico. Thanks for saying that, Crystal. You mentioned establishing kinship, and you and I are related because we both have Hachkan Hadzoche. Um, my clans are Bilagana Nishle, Hachkan Hadzoche, Bashishchin, Bilagana Dashache, Ado, Nakaider, and Dashinale, Tchorenes Dizite, Nasha. So, um, Crystal and I are both banana girls or yucca fruit strung out on a line. So, Crystal, I feel like that's been really helpful in how we work together and sometimes how we work with other people on the Navajo Nation by establishing that kinship. And that leads me into something that I come across when I'm working on the Navajo Nation, and I know you do, is how to make sure that we are incorporating our traditional ways in how we work. Because I feel like it's very hard to keep things where it's strictly data and strictly planning but we constantly need to think about how we are going to incorporate our Diné culture. How do you see that coming into your work, working with the tribe and with water, and how does that play out you know, in your everyday life or projects overall? Yeah, uh, so in the Navajo Nation, there is a strong uh, sense of traditional culture and traditions, and Within that is the philosophy of Ego and Tua'e'inat'e, meaning um, that Ego in English uh, describes, you know, being self-reliant and self-sufficient. Um, but when you really begin to think about it, you know, as that relates to water, it's important to think about not only ourselves as humans, but also thinking about all of our water uses when we began to think about our, our water uses and our water needs and think about others that may rely upon uh, the water resources and within the Navajo Nation. So it's important to have a holistic approach when considering uh, water planning and design as well as construction because you begin to you know, have respect for those things uh, such as those who have, may have come before you and thus we have the right of way um, protocol that we have and to be able to ensure that things are taken care of in a respectful manner and as well as considering things, you know, that we, other water developers wouldn't necessarily consider like when uh, for example, being in a drought and the need for water access, not only for water haulers uh, that may be hauling water for their domestic use purposes, but also to be able to haul water uh, for their livestock and agricultural uses. Thank you for that. I think it's something that's really important to share with people in terms of how things work specifically on the Navajo Nation. Oftentimes, the questions that I get in my job are it, it feels like people are looking for a really simple answer when I personally feel like there is no simple answer on the Navajo Nation. Everything is complicated, and that roots back to things like our relationship with the federal government, um, working with treaties, working with water rights, and whatnot. 
What do you think is one of your biggest challenges in the work that you do? You partner with so many agencies and you collaborate with so many people. Um, what are some of the challenges? Some of the challenges that we have within the Navajo Nation um, are related to the technical capacity to be able to do the work and also the resources needing to do it. So the Navajo Nation spans over 27,000 square miles from across Arizona, New Mexico, and Utah. And when you consider the size, it's similar in size to West Virginia, or if those of you are familiar with international uh, countries, uh, similar in size to Ireland. And when you begin to think of a place that big and you begin to think about spanning over multiple states and spanning across different watersheds, especially in the West where water is a limited resource. It's, it, it becomes a challenge um, associated with the limited uh, capacity and resources that we have. But through partnerships, we're able to uh, better access opportunities and address these challenges. Uh, we do have some legacy challenges associated with past uranium mining and through partnerships, there are cleanup efforts to be able to address that. In addition to that, we have um, challenges associated with brackish water. So total dissolve uh, or really salty water um, in some of the southwestern, western parts of the Navajo Nation through partnerships with academic institutions where exploring technologies to be able to address these challenges. In addition, uh, Emma had mentioned the water access uh, group that we are part of called the Navajo Nation COVID-19 Water Access Coordination Group, where it's a collaboration of different partners, including federal, state, academic institutions, non-governmental organizations, nonprofit organizations, to be able to bring water to people uh, during the pandemic. We have a high population of residents within the Navajo Nation that don't have pipe water, and it's important uh, when you're experiencing a pandemic to be able to have water, especially when there are recommendations given to be able to mitigate uh, COVID-19 challenges by being able to wash surfaces more often or washing our hands more often. And when you begin to think of water haulers who have limited water available, um, for their uses because they don't have pipe water, then you begin to understand some of the challenges that we within the Navajo Nation have. And I mentioned our large area that we cover. In addition to that, we have some challenges associated with uh, unresolved water rights. We do have some water, uh, resolved water rights in a, couple, a few areas in New Mexico, San Juan, and more recently uh, with the uh, um, Navajo Utah Water Rights Settlement Act, and we do have unresolved water rights within Arizona. So it's important for us to consider these challenges, but also consider the opportunities that lie within these challenges. Crystal, I love the last thing that you said, because I think as Native peoples and as Navajos, with a population of 30% on the Navajo Nation who don't have access to clean running water in their homes, we can be painted as people who are abject or who have problems and can't solve them. But one thing that you mentioned and that I really admire about your work is we're searching for solutions. And it's not just, oh, there's this problem, we can't do anything. It's really important that we work on it and people of our generation. 
What would be a piece of advice that you could give to people who would want to come back to the Navajo Nation and work and do what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. So the piece of advice that I would give to people who have a desire to give back to the community that they may come from is to be able to um, have dedication to the work that you do and don't uh, deviate from some of your upbringings. Oftentimes, uh, some of our challenges, we want to forget those challenges and uh, move forward past them. But often those challenges are what provided me the opportunity to be able to come home. So I grew up in a home without running water. Uh, we had to haul water for all of our water use. And, you know, some of my earliest memories as a child includes being able to see the water heating up on the stove in a kettle and being able to pour that into a silver um container, which was our bathtub, essentially, uh, growing up as kids. And so that that was a challenge for me. And it's important to me to embrace that challenge, because through that challenge, I'm better able to create and um, work with the population of people that I would love for them to be able to have generations after them to be able to have the luxury of having pipe water and being able to have running water uh, so that they can be able to have more sustainability within their their water use lifestyle and more water security, not only for just any type of water, but safe drinking water. It's important to mention future generations, like you said, because I think in the United States, there's this culture where we're constantly thinking about the right now and how it affects us in the immediate. So I love that you're thinking about that and that you said that. Um, speaking of family and growing up, you have a fabulous sister that also does a lot of things in terms of the water world and STEM and science and working on the res and academia. You have such an amazing academic background and I also really admire that. Can you talk a little bit about what it's like to work with your younger sister? I'll also say I have a sister and we work together in a lot of ways in the art world and with the indigenous arts org that I run. So I'm interested to hear how it is with you. How do you like it? I really enjoy it. Um, so I have two younger sisters and uh, we work within the STEM field and it was great because oftentimes people would not know who they were talking to, but we were so um, into one another's work that we knew it in depthly to where, you know, we could politely say that, oh, actually, I'm, I'm not Nikki Tooley, I'm Crystal. But yeah, she's doing amazing things with her work with NASA, uh, being able to use some satellite uh, work. I talked about building capacity. And so through these other partnerships that we have, we're able to do things uh, using the new technology that is available, meaning um, through the drought severity evaluation tool that was created for the Navajo Nation through a collaboration with NASA, as well as the Desert Research Institute uh, through Climate Engine. And so being able to use these type of resources and then uh, going into other resources that are available, such as uh, OpenET is a great opportunity to be able to have better understanding of, you know, what these tools that can become available 
to where, you know, those I mentioned the limited uh, technical capacity and resources. And through these partnerships, we're able to build our uh, capacity while also uh, increasing the resources. Uh, I mentioned that we have a high number of population of people that don't have running water. And so our priority is to get water to the people. Uh, but we are also equally concerned about having a uh, greater understanding about our water characteristics, whether that be above the surface or below the surface. And being able, uh, although we, that's, um, not our priority currently with allocating our funding towards uh, through these partnerships, we're able to do that. And I was a, a PhD student at the University of Utah. And through those partnerships, I was able to bring in more resources and be able to quantify precipitation across the Navajo Nation, uh, having a better understanding of the hydroclimatic regions across the Navajo Nation, uh, while also having a better understanding of a precipitation source of our bimodal precipitation source, the North American monsoon. And so it's great to have uh, younger generations being able to gain uh, their education, because that's something that we were taught. And that's a part of Ego becoming self-reliant is also having these young Dines scholars being able to contribute, whether whether or not they live on or off the reservation, they're using their different capacities at academic institutions, at um, federal agencies, state entities, as well as through go non-governmental organization. And it's really a great way to see our budding generation of people give back to the Navajo Nation. I didn't realize that you had two younger sisters. I have two younger sisters too. So I'm learning everything about you always. Um, what about, do you have any plans for running for Navajo Nation president coming up? I'm just kidding. I'm joking, but like I'm literally like every time, no, every time I get off a call with you, I'm texting my family and I'm like, man, Crystal really has to run for the Navajo Nation president. But with that being said, what's it like to be a Diné woman and step into the role of leading your community and working in this sphere? Because I feel like as someone who works in the wash sector and with people like engineers or hydrologists, I feel like it can be very male dominant. So how do you navigate that? Do you experience it? And how do you bring in um, what it means to be a strong Diné woman since we are a matrilineal culture? Yeah, my opportunity was going through internships to where I was the minority of the minority, either a, a female or being a Native American in the field that I was in. Uh, so I, I had an early interaction with that. Um, but coming home is different to where, you know, it's a matrilineal society and being able to have embrace that identity within myself, um, because within that identity also comes this nurturing aspect and wanting the best for the people, the best for the communities, the best for the Navajo Nation, and being able to have that uh, nurturing, caring, uh, concerned nature that a mother or that a sister or that a grandmother uh, or a daughter has um, 
is is different in our society to where you know it's important uh, that we carry on our lineage through our clan system, which is through the mother's side of the clan, but also to consider uh, the the opportunities that we have to be a female, because it's also about growing the next generation. And as uh, a mother, as a daughter, as a sister, as an auntie, and soon, you know, as a grandmother, it's important to think about what type of teachings you're passing on to the next generation. And often, you know, we want to be the change that we wish to see in the world. And how do you do that? And you do that within the walls of your own home by being able to rear up children uh, that you would be proud of. And I am the person that I am today because of my parents, because of my grandparents on both my mother and father's side. And they would always remind me, you are a a representative of our family in the community. And so we expect nothing but good things to happen um, for your life because you will represent us well. And having that high expectation is definitely something that I wake up and try to live up to every day, 100% and beyond. Thank you for that. I'll also say you are a very nurturing person. And I love that balance of you. You know, I've worked with you in this capacity, but we've also spent time together outside of it. I just want to tell you that I'm wearing the earrings that you gave me today. So you are very thoughtful and thinking about that way. And I think that's something that a lot of people really need to incorporate in the way that they work in these fields, because it's not just about data. It's not just about planning, but it's also making sure that we're thinking of the people and that we're centering things around the fact that people need clean drinking water. Um, I have one more question. So what would you like to leave people with in terms of if there's anything they should know about the Navajo Nation, about water conservation, any and everything, what do you want to leave people with who are watching this? What I'd love to leave people with is to have an understanding that are that there are people like Emma and myself who are Navajo communities to bring uh, clean drinking water to Navajo residents and to be able to have an understanding that there are opportunities for collaboration. Um, there has been a unique history of the Neff people in the United States associated with, you know, the long walk and what that history of force removal looks like, as well as having an understanding of forced assimilation through boarding schools. And then, you know, having an understanding of where we are today and the advocacy that has allowed us to be here today. You know, it's it's our predecessors that have had the opportunity to be able to pave a pathway for us. And we are the corn pollen prayers of yesterday. And it's important to ha- embrace that understanding because someone was thinking about a good future for us in our generation. And we um, have to be that seed for being able to continue the next generation and hoping for well things for them. And it's important to also consider that, you know, through these challenges, people are not just 
taking these challenges. And although it might not be in the media of all the things that are being done to be able to address this issue and decrease the number of homes that don't have pipe water, um, but that there's a team of people working on this day in and day out from sunup to sundown and even past beyond that to be able to secure water for not only for the Navajo Nation, but through for indigenous people throughout the United States. And it's through the partnerships with our allies that we're able to make great strides with having opportunities like the funding that has been identified um, under the CARES Act, under the American Rescue Plan Act, and under the in, uh, Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act, and being able to have an understanding that there are these needs and that they're needs to be a, an addressing issue of clean access, you know, neat, universal clean access uh, for clean water for tribes throughout the United States, as well as Alaska Native villages. And having this understanding can be able to create a better way of life for people, for them to have this basic necessity. Thank you for those eloquent words. Um, it's been such an honor to speak with you and I'm so lucky to be able to work with you and have this time, like I said, out of our regular meetings. And thank you, Travis and Waterloop for allowing us to have this. Crystal, Nana, thank you. Yeah, yes. Oh, uh, Emma, I just wanted to thank you for the work that you do as the executive director for the Navajo Water Project. It's been a great honor of mine to be able to show that gratitude that we uh, have as Navajo people for the work that you do. And I'm glad that you're wearing those earrings today because I think that's an important way of what we have as Navajo people too, to show gratitude and say, meaning many thanks for the differences that you're making in the lives of Navajo people. Thank you, Nadot, to you as well. Thank you for listening to this Pass the Mic episode of Waterloop. A big thanks to Emma Robbins for being the guest host. Thanks again to Springpoint Partners for grant funding. Remember, you as a listener can support the Waterloop nonprofit media outlet at patreon.com slash the Waterloop. To find all episodes, sign up for email updates, and connect on social media, visit waterloop.org. Waterloop, Waterloop, Waterloop.